this morning I kind of shared with you something, and I want to talk about that tonight briefly uh, before we get into Holy Communion. I, I want to talk to you from the standpoint, we talked about what success is, so I want to talk about success defined. Uh, success defined. I, I believe you all, and, 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 and that's why we have to be on the same page. I mean, you heard Kia. Kia said something that was really, really good, that in the course of all of this, she found out it was more than just a job. See, the world teaches us it's only things that we're, we're, we're trying to do. You trying to get a better job or you trying to get this. And you and it, the things are so shallow when you get them, they're not what you thought they were going to be because they were hyped up to be something that they're not. Because what God is really doing in you is bigger than that. And, and that's where we are. We have to understand it's bigger than that. Because when and I, you know. Learning to trust him in certain situations, it sets you a platform for the next move. But if you don't get this one, you're not going to be ready for the next one. So you, you, what is he really doing? What does God really want from you now? Um, so I want to just share with this a little bit. And I, and I, I, I shared with you this. I said uh, success is, according to the late Bishop Lockett, and I'm going to give you some text for this in a moment. It's knowing God and what he desires for your life. It's also uh, sowing seeds that benefit others and growing to your maximum potential. Now, these are the things that when you, like I said, you can flip this every kind of way possible and it's going to always come up as being successful. Because now it's not predicated on your stuff. It's not how much. So you can not have some things and still be successful. Our grandparents, our great-grandparents, they done things. They had 9, 10, 11, 12 kids that lived in a three-bedroom house and, and, you know, and and, and driving one car and everybody was successful, You, you know? So we come along and they tell you if you don't have at least two cars and you living in at least 1,500 square foot home and, you know, and you, you got to have an IRA and you have, see, then all of this pressure is on you to do all of this. And then the enemy is able to literally uh, antagonize you by something not being right. So you're trying to juggle things that don't really matter. You can just drop all of that because that ain't what God is after. So that's what I want to talk about success. Because I, I believe that everyone, every Christian is successful. Uh, one of the things, I'm, I'm speaking this word over me. Let's talk about knowing God and what he desires for our life. When we really look at success, it's knowing God and what he desires for our life. Now, go with me to Philippians chapter 3, King James Version, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, listen to this, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, I want to share this with you. This is the Apostle Paul who is 
sharing this. So he says, in essence, he wants to know Christ. Well, let me, let me do this before I get there. Because he said in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Listen to this. They are the um, scholars say Paul has the equivalent between three and six doctoral degrees. Paul lists who he is or what he is from a um, religious standpoint. Him being of the tribe of Benjamin. Him being a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he is listing all of the things that would constitute his religious makeup, if you will. If anybody got the goods, it would have been, Paul, you got the goods. What he does is turn around and say, everything that everybody else attributed to me as having it all together religiously, I want you to know all of that's nothing. These, the, the things that he's saying is nothing is the things that most of us seek to acquire. And he says, none of that compares now when it comes to knowing Christ. So what I'm saying, knowing God and what he desires for my life. Uh, see, sometimes we say, well, when you when you when you look at Jesus uh, and, and you say, well, you know, uh, his sometimes we, we do this mentally. We almost make like Jesus is, is a standard that's so unreachable. We just say, well, that's just God. He understands. He's going to give us grace. Well, here's a man with all of the things that we would think should be the goal of, of our religious life. And he's saying, I have not known him. And everything I accumulated in the course of trying to know him from a religious standpoint, it's all worthless. I, I, I'm going to show you something in a minute. I, I'm just, I just want to make sure you understand where I'm going. So he says in verse 10, he says that I may know him. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Can we stop for a second? How is it that a man who said, okay, I understand, Paul, you say all of the things that you've accomplished, all of those things, you, you is a Benjamin, uh, the tribe of Benjamin, a uh, Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, all of your, your, your scholarly stuff, sitting at the feet of Galileo, studying under him, him being your, your, your mentor. I understand all of that's nothing. But Paul, you're telling me that all you want to do is know him? Okay. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, you telling me all you want to do is know him? So that says to me, every time we think that we understand God, that we figured him out, that we've, oh, I got this now. That's to let you know, no, 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 no. Because Paul is saying, I still ain't got it. I still don't understand. I still don't know him like that. So, see, the goal is to really know him. It's more than just saying, yeah, you have head knowledge about who God is. See, you, you, you can know um, some, some of, these, you know, some of these, these, these famous people or whatever. You could know all their stats. You know, listen, God is, let, let me do this. 
The word of God is not a baseball card. I know some of y'all going, well, what in the world you mean? Come on, plumber. You know how you flip the card over all the stats on the back of it. You memorize the stats and you think you know the person on the front of the card. The word of God is not a baseball card. You're not going to just pick this up and say, oh, okay, yeah, I know all of the stats, so I know God now. No, 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 no. You, there's some experiences that he's going to take time to go through with you. Make sure that we enjoy this trip together. Because that's when you're knowing him. And see, most of us want to avoid those kind of trips. And we think it's just this easy thing that God just waved his hand over us and now we know him. Don't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> last cry daddy <laughs> but we have to understand knowing God it's going to require something of us every person you know you invested some time with the more time you spent with them the better you know them so the Apostle Paul says, you know, after two-thirds of the New Testament, I still don't know him. That I may know him. Now, now let, let's, uh, y'all, y'all ready? Since we're still talking about knowing God. That I may know him. Now, wait a minute. When you think you know God, okay, he says, I need to know the power of his resurrection. I know he's resurrected, but watch this. I've not experienced the power of his resurrection. That's what he's saying. See, I still got some things I got to experience with God yet. You too, you ain't experienced the power of his resurrection. You ain't died and got back up. Not yet. So there's some things to still experience in knowing who God is. So we ain't got this thing, you all. I don't care if you can quote all 66 books front and backwards. Have you experienced the power of his resurrection? And okay, that, that's just the tip because then he says and the, power, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Have you suffered with Christ? See, fellowship together. Have you suffered with him? Has it cost you anything really to follow him? You, you, you know, you want to talk about knowing. What does it cost you to follow it? See, th- this is what Paul is saying. These, these are the things that attribute to success. It's knowing God like this. But see, we've been taught to run from these things. And he says, and being made conformable unto his death. You know what? We've almost been taught in America not to die for Christ. Not to die. I'm just talking about knowing him. I'm, you know, just talking about us being successful, that's all. But Jesus' teachings, it, he tells us, in the, in not, this is not a surprise. It's not something that he leaves later on. He lets you know, if you're going to come after me, I need you to deny yourself. I need you to take up your cross every day. The, the cross, okay, when you hear taking up the cross, you don't come back from taking up the cross. <laughs> If you didn't know that, you know, they like, yo, I will go get one tomorrow. No, no, no. You, the cross was not an experience you came back from. It, it, the cross was to lead to death. 
So Jesus was literally saying that you're going to have to lay down your life every day. Paul summed it up. He says, I die daily. When's the last time you died? It's part of knowing him. I, I, you know, I, I know it may not be the most comfortable thing, but it's t- we're talking about knowing him. See, you're living to live again. Let's not forget that you're living to live again. I had th- th- when you change your perspective on what God is saying, even when you when you see people go on to be with the Lord, it's a different frame of mind. You're sad for a moment in the sense of, you know, but he said, wait a minute. You're not like most men with no hope. I, I got a hope that lieth on the inside. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm going to miss you that you went on to be with the Lord. But you know what? If I just keep doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to see you again. And watch this. It won't be temporary next time. See, it even changes. It just changes your whole person. This is success, you all. You can't tell me any loved one you have. I don't care who they are. Any loved one you have. Knowing, you know that if the Lord tarries, they're going to go on to be with the Lord. If they say they're going to go on to be with the Lord. Now, that's, that's, that's sad. Yes, that's sad. But you know what? If you know they love God, you love God, you have a promise that you're going to see them again. That's success, y'all. I don't care how you cut that. That's success. You cannot beat that. That is success. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. You, you're not sitting, oh, God. Now, wait a minute. But you have to think on the flip side. See, that's when you talk about sadness. Because you know you'll never see them again. And you know where they're going. Now, see, what, what, what money going to do with any of that? What is, what is nice cars going to do with that? What is nice houses going to do with that? But see, you have genuine success. Glory to God. Let's see here. Praise God. Y'all keep praying for me. Just just toss another little little, 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 little caveat on the end of that. He says, okay, in, in this definition, knowing God and what he desires for your life, we trip over things that don't really matter. Okay, are you gonna be you gonna be a nurse? You gonna be a doctor? You gonna be a lawyer? You you know you gonna be a teacher? Ah, what is the will of God for my life? The will of God for your life is to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. Can you be a teacher and be conformed to the image of His dear Son? Can you be a doctor and be conformed to the image of His dear Son? All of that God gives you is free choice. Just be conformed to the image of His dear Son. That's what you're supposed to do. Who, who is Jesus as the teacher? Who is Jesus as the lawyer? Who is Jesus as, 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 as whatever? As long as it's Jesus. I, I mean, you okay, you the business person. You making millions and millions. Just be Jesus making millions and millions. That's all. Second part of that, sowing seeds that benefit others. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 20. 
We talked about this a little bit this morning with the leaders. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. The Apostle Paul, once again, is talking and he says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. So the Apostle Paul is talking. He says, listen, everything I possibly had that you could benefit from, I gave you. Who is benefiting from your life? Because you should sow seeds that benefit others. Who's benefiting from your life? You have to understand. And I ain't just talking about your kids. Yeah, you're supposed to raise them. Anybody else benefiting? (laughs) I mean, anybody else getting anything out of you being here? You know, we have to understand that God expects us to benefit others. Okay, let me, can I tell you what that means, though? That means that there's something in you more than just for you. Let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 3. See, we say stuff, but I don't know if we understand what we're saying. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Now, 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 remember the Apostle Paul was saying, listen, I kept back nothing. So everything I had, I gave it to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, they, they said that um, uh, the late Miles Monroe, he said you should die empty. I mean, what, what you trying to take with you? you? Do you have y'all ever seen these people that, that bury their car with them and all of this stuff? And they, you know, for what? You're not gonna be driving it. I mean, I want to be buried in my car. Really? People do crazy stuff. Look at this, Galatians chapter three, verse thirteen. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How many of you all agree with that? I'm going to show you how much is in you. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I told you you can't be cursed. It's in the book. Can't be cursed. You're redeemed from it. I wasn't just saying that now. Okay, look at verse 14. Now, If you understand what the text is saying, we handle the curse problem through Christ being hung on the tree for us or on Calvary. Curse problem taken care of. But notice God fills the vacuum. It's not enough just to be delivered or uh, saved from the curse. What you need now is a blessing. So you see, there's no in between. Now, the reason we're redeemed from the curse of the law is so that the blessing of Abraham might come on. Now, I need to say this because we say the blessings of Abraham. It's not blessings. It's a blessing. They meant, they meant well when they wrote it, but I'm just letting you know the truth, you know. It's the blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay, look, what is the blessing? 
not going to be real deep. I promise you, it's an open book test. <laughs> that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. That's the blessing of Abraham. So we receive the blessing of Abraham, which is the, the, the promise of the Spirit through faith. Not works, not deeds, not any, just faith. Now, let me show you something. Go to Genesis chapter 12. So now, according to Galatians 3 and 14, the blessing of Abraham has come on us, and that's that we will receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So now you have to also realize that we became Abraham's seed. Y'all remember when we talked about that? The biblical significance of fatherhood, and we were talking about who, who in essence was our father. So now, you got to watch this. Now, Genesis chapter 12, uh, let's start at verse 2, I think. Let's do verse 2 for the sake of time. Um, he says, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Okay, now, let's just say all of this is personal. I'm just saying that for sake of something, because I, I want you to see something. So he's going to make of Abram a great nation. Okay, he's going to bless Abram, uh, Abraham, and he's going to make Abraham's name great. And then Abraham shall be a blessing. Do you understand that God went further than just blessing Abraham? Say, you're going to be a blessing. Okay. Now, this is our father in a spiritual sense and in, in, in a sense of by faith, Abraham is the father of believers. Okay. Now, verse three. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We are designed to be a blessing. There's more in us than just what we need. So it's not like it's not like we're giving to other people something and we don't have anything left. No, there's so much God has deposited in us to be a blessing that we are a blessing to other people. So we are able to sow seeds that would benefit other people. That's the see, that's the position you have. Now you need to start convincing yourself that it's true. Boy, some of y'all are going to be some vicious warriors, I'm telling you. Because when you catch what this word is saying about you, you're not going to just tolerate anything. Some of y'all going to say, I've been beat up long enough. You know, I, I, I mean, I remember growing up getting beat up. I can't think of nobody that know how to fight that didn't get beat up first. Because you decide which one you like the best. And getting beat up ain't the one. You, you, you watch. You watch. You get, you get tired of people taking your stuff? You're going to do something about it. My mom and them, I mean, my mom and them said, hit them back. I remember his, uh, she hit him back. I was so shocked when she said, hit him back. Oh, yeah. Because, see, I learned this growing up. Everything is not about 
who necessarily win the fight. Because then they would say something like, not just hit them back, hit them hard enough that they never want to hit you again. I may not have won this, but you were hit hard enough that you do, you're going to decide, do I really want to engage in this again? Spiritually, we ain't hitting the enemy hard enough that he's going to sit up and think about, do he really want to engage in this again? You crazy enough to seek the face of God until things change. Well, I don't want to mess with them. See, something we just, well, well, must be the will of God. No, is it, what did it say in the word? That's the will. That's the will. Just for a moment, let's just stick that right there. You, you know, I was thinking on this, just kind of just meditate. Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve were created, I, um, I, I was just thinking about this. I says, why didn't, why, why didn't they get sick? Come on now, work with me. Why didn't they get sick? Okay, after Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. Why doesn't it still record Adam and Eve getting sick? This is, what, this is what I was thinking about. Before Adam and Eve fell, they had never saw sickness. So what makes you think that afterwards they're willing to accept it? See, some of this stuff, we've seen it so frequently, we think that it's normal. They were like, still, they had never seen this. Never. And it, I mean, you live in 900 years, it, there's nothing recorded about them being sick. Even after the fall. See, some stuff I believe conditions us to be in agreement with the enemy. The Bible said the weapon may form against you, but what you doing? While you working on, while he working on forming it, what are you doing so it won't prosper? I know, see, that's why we have to renew our mind. But I'm thinking, if you never seen sickness, if you never saw what that looked like, you ain't got to renew your mind to being sick because you never seen sickness. So we got it. So we born into a world that's, that's full of sin and sickness and disease and all kind of stuff. So we have to come and start renewing our mind. And I, let me just help you. The time to do it is not when you're on the sick bed. God, I got faith, I got faith, I believe, I believe, I believe. That ain't the time. Trust me, that ain't the time. You need to have the goods before the end. I don't want to be one of them crisis Christians. They respond during the crisis. Oh, okay, I'm, Lord, I'm going to get on fire for you now. Uh, I, I don't need that. Uh-uh, I want to be on fire before the end. All right. Let's go. Let's, let's go ahead and see if we can wrap this up a little bit. It says, growing to my maximum potential. That's the third one. So we looked at knowing God and what he desires for my life. Looked at sowing seeds to benefit others and growing to our maximum potential. Let me ask you, what, 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 what can we honestly be in God? You know, I've, I've heard people all, you know, and I don't, I don't know if this is true because 
Um, and you'll see why when I say this. You know, some people say when they get to heaven, God opened this room up and show them and there's all of this stuff in there and said, this is what you could have had. I'm trying not to have that happen. I mean, at first I want to get there. I mean, that's, you know, first and foremost. I mean, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, that's, that's I mean, I'm saying, Lord, really we're going to live with all eternity knowing that we could have had that. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, you're full of regret. You just, just step foot in heaven. It's like, oh, man, I should have went for it, you know. What's the real potential in you? I mean, when God in all eternity was, you know, he says he knew, he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. What, what, what were we in the mind of God? I mean, honestly, what did he intend for us to be? I, I mean, you know, not what we are because of what we see and have been shaped and all of this. Um, but what did he intend for us to be? What is that real potential in God? I, I'm just, well, I, I'm telling you where I'm going with this. I always go back to Adam and Eve because he said something to them. He said, I need you to take dominion. over everything that's created. I mean, you want to talk about how God really sees us? Dominion. Absolute dominion. Be my representative in the earth. Do what I would do if I were here. And you have to understand, God gave us a physical body because we're in a physical world. So he gave us a physical body, but still said, take dominion. And then on top of that, we're a spiritual being. So he expects us to have dominion in this physical world and in the spiritual world. All right, in case you still, well, pastor, that's Old Testament. No problem. In New Testament, he says, occupy till I come. It's a Greek word that means transact business in my name until I return. Can you imagine your CEO of your company says, okay, here's the checkbook. I need you to run everything until I get back. That's what Jesus is saying to you. Why couldn't, watch this, oh, are you really ready? Why couldn't you run this world, not this nation, but this world? Pastor, you, I don't know, I think you might have gone off the deep end. Well, he said you're going to judge angels. Are you ready for that? If you can't run a world full of people, how are you, you, you going to judge angels? If he's made you kings and priests, kings have kingdoms. And see, we're still trying to balance our checkbook. Really? You know, and back on our young people, you know, young people today, they don't balance checkbooks. They, they, oh, I got the mobile app. I see what I got in there. Now, I'm not knocking. That's, just, that's culture change. Because 
Most of the young people now don't know how to write a check either. Because they didn't have to. I remember when I was in school and they was teaching us how to write checks. Because I thought writing checks was the coolest thing in the world. It's not real money. You just sign your name on it and give it to people. That's great. <laughs> that is absolutely wonderful. Then they came out with debit cards. And those of us that came up in that era, we started thinking like, what did we ever do before there was a debit card? ATM machines? How did we function before that? So now we get to a society where the young people, are, are, they're taught that you get an account. You don't need to balance your checkbook. All you do is look on your app, see how much money is in the bank, and try not to go over. Well, what the, really the bank tells you is this. It's no problem. We'll give you an overdraft and just charge you all kind of interest on it. It is a system designed to keep people in debt. Because you don't get to know as much about, about your money as you should. Because you are steward over it. But they say, oh, don't worry about it. If you go over, we, we'll, we'll give you overdraft. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they're going to give you overdraft and charge you for it. It's a system designed to keep us in debt. But anyway, I'm just, that was just some stuff that's changing. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Talking about growing to our maximum potential. If we're going to get ready for communion here. Uh, New Living Translation, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Now, this is, this is so heavy here. Because I tried to kind of bait you to get you to this. Romans 8 and 29, the Bible says, For whom he did foreknow, King James says, For whom he did foreknow. Now, watch this. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, when you're talking about um, growing to your maximum potential, Jesus is the standard. Our maximum potential is looking like Jesus. But I I need to show you something. Y'all ever read something and just kind of go like, hmm? This, This is loaded. For whom he did foreknow. Do you know God knew you beforehand? Beforehand? What do you mean beforehand? Before this whole thing called time that we, you and I know, he knew us. I'm going to drop something heavy on you. Do you notice how no, no children have memories of when they're small infants? Why is it that we have no memory there? It's not that we don't have the capacity. I do. I, I believe that God destined us and he laid out a course for us. But he gave us a choice. And I don't believe it's, it's fair, if you will. See, see, here's what here's what I, I, we don't understand. When you get to heaven, do you know you're going home? No, you didn't even hear what I said. You didn't even hear what I said. Okay, Justin, when you and Candace leave here, where y'all going? No, I mean, (laughs) uh, amen, 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 amen. But I mean physically here, 
when y'all leave here tonight, <laughs> you're going to heaven, Justin. Amen. That's right, Justin. That's right. Don't get it twisted, Justin. <laughs> Okay, okay, watch, watch this. So when you leave here tonight, y'all are going where? Y'all are going home. Okay, how can you go home unless you left home? Just because you don't remember it, for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate. God don't lay this thing out. It's just about us finishing the course to get back home. Then you got an enemy who's trying to stop you from getting home. That's all this is. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm finished. I'm finished. That's enough. I'm finished. I'm finished. I'm finished. I'm finished. Let's get ready for communion.